The whites of her eyes shone majestically in the dim glow of her quarters, the lids spreading wide in wonderment as she paced up and down the row of wrought iron cages that lined the walls, stacked three high. Alundra stepped back for a moment to allow her gaze to reach the top cages. The subjects inside writhed as she looked at them one by one, her moist pink tongue tickling across her bottom lip. Humans. What a dastardly and despicable race. Welcome everyone to episode 6 of uh, this season of Dead Men Talk where we are um, looking into, in particular, the stories that make up a necessary end. Um, apologies, it's been a couple of weeks um, since my last one. You know, life has um, it seemed to have sort of kicked up a gear for me. You know, from the last over the last few months, um, various things been going on. Unfortunately, has been uh, keeping me away from being able to record another episode. But here I am. Um, as we we're getting into the last couple of episodes now looking into this book and as I've said before I have had massive fun going back and rediscovering the the individual stories that are included in the necessary end but also just just trying rediscovering as well the the reason why I wanted to put them together and the links that I I created to sort of hold them together hopefully in a successful way um, so what I'm going to do in this episode is I'm going to talk about a couple of things in particular. So we'll I'll I'll, I'll dive into the um, the final book which existed in Black Gang, which um, or the final story that existed in Black Gang called Queen of Scars. This was sort of the finale piece of that book. Um, but I'll also just try to briefly explain a few other things. I wanted to, to keep it still with the relevance to Black Gang because that was really the place itself over the last few episodes. Hopefully you've realised or you, you sort of understand um, the influence that, that that one village, that one place in the world had on um, a good chunk of what exists as in a necessary end. Um so even though Queen of Scars and subsequently the stories, uh, the main sort of story, the backstory that I I then wrote when I put them together as a necessary end, um, sort of Zach Charlie and F. Courtney's story, um, not really set in Black Gang. There's sort of very loose, very loose links between the two, but um, but it was still there. I think Black Gang discovering a lot of its history as as you probably heard over the last couple of episodes it, it set something off you know I love discovering um, quirky tales about places you know living not far from Dartmoor where I am I mean I could probably devote the rest of my writing career or you know just for fun just trying to to learn more about the the legend the myths the actual stories the history um, for a place like that and it was the same with Black Gang I suppose it's fairly finite because it's a unlike someone like Dartmoor. It's a very, um, it's a very inhabited place. You know, it's it's um, 
it's an everyday it's it's not in the middle of nowhere you know it's on this little island and whatever but it's still a very tight community but it's got this history to it as macabre as you can make it i think wandering around black gang chine the amusement park is uh you, you kind of get the the real sense of some dark sense of humor behind the guys that have have created that park and when i was writing black gang i really wanted you know that darkness um to to come forward you know in my own way um which up to now is where i elaborated on the 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 real stories that um passenger 29 and the road to nowhere were based on when i got to queen of scars this was really um the the entry point for taylor pike at that point and leading into queen of scars was obviously he was he was in black gang he was he was uh, every uh, the whole story the whole book was taking place there but queen of scars taking it out of context taking queen of scars out of but uh, out of the book of black gang and putting it into this new setting when the necessary end was it was probably easier than i thought it would be because as with road to nowhere passing 29 they had that local kind of interest that that local link which didn't exist in the necessary end you know necessary end doesn't really have much of a reference to black gang at all so probably more of a challenge to make those stories fit and make them appear relevant you know i suppose having them told from um, ephraim courtney's point of view as tales from his family history achieved that it helped but queen of scars does in my opinion sit on its own as it's its own story anyway so it was it was a a bit easier to weave this one in um but just just to kind of give you a little bit of a background so the if you haven't read the book of black gang uh trigger duck trail then um we get a sense of, of taylor pike he um follows these these mysterious messages as I've, I've said in one of the previous episodes he follows these mysterious um messages which take him um a, a low point in his life takes him on a new course that he he pursues he travels over to the Isle of Wight, follows these clues down to Black Gang, where he then meets a mysterious sort of outcast character called Papa Loco, otherwise known as Johan Doggett, um, who's a resident of Black Gang, a bit of a recluse, a bit of an outcast. You know, something happened to him in his past, which has really made him live by himself and, and shun the society in which he still decides to live within. And you get to learn the reason behind that for his own personal tragedy in Passenger 20, uh, sorry, Road to Nowhere. Um, and then sort of in between, so he's regaling this story, um, the Road to Nowhere, the, the tragedy that befell his family with the loss of his granddaughter. He's, a, he's regaling this story to Taylor Pike. And Taylor Pike then, he wants he really feels a need to avenge this man you know this 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 guy who's lost everything through this one sadistic act this one character the trigger jack uh, that he the, the the hurt that he has befallen on him and his family he wants to avenge that he's only just met him but he, he feels he, he needs to do something so maybe he realized maybe it's his purpose that was it it's, it's his purpose is to to have gone there to um, to try and, and help get his grand, grand, yeah, and Dolgett's granddaughter back if he can, and 
as it transpires, his Taylor Pike is then led to one place in actually into Black Gang Chime amusement park. And there's one part in that which, when I read about, when I looked at all the parts of the park, you know, historically and and what still existed, there was one bit in there which it was really probably the point at which I I knew I needed to write a book around this place and there's an attraction there called the mouth of hell in reality it's it's a big um plastic structure um feature which is like a devil's head and you it's, it's really for kids because it is quite sort of um compact inside but you walk in through his mouth it's basically a, a devil's head with a big open mouth you walk in through his mouth and then inside it's one of these that you can kind of go in and you know kids can play around in you know going in and out and whatever um it's very tight it's very um <laughs> it's just got it depi- it's meant to depict sort of pictures or visions of hell from with you know from with, it's almost like you are going down to hell by walking through this mouth into this structure it's great fun because the kids get to climb sort of up into the eyes and look out through the windows that are actually the eyes and they get to crawl out through this if they can through this really tight hole which comes out then out of his mouth again and it's it's yeah if i um i don't remember it from my childhood i it must have been there but i can't say that i remember it when i visited when we we went over there again in 2016 i decided that was one place i had to go i had to I took a picture of me holding uh, my book in various spots that were mentioned in the story and yeah I took one shot with it sort of with the mouth of hell in the background but this to me it was perfect to have this one place that was like the portal from the world of the living through to hell yeah what better way to have the finale take place than for Taylor Pike to find this portal which I do hint was actually the place that Jonathan Courtney first stumbled across where he was then dragged um, into the depths of hell when he he was washed ashore and um, he stumbled across Black Gang after the sinking of the Clarendon. And, you know, it's my thinking that maybe the mouth of hell is actually, you know, it's built on top of this portal. You know, you hear these stories about these these places being built on top of hell mouths you know to to um to either keep them hidden or to block them off and for this one i felt that it was just somewhere to to hide it that that hell mouth was still active and taylor pike was called upon you know the messages that he was receiving that took in the black gang were from the trickle jack and he was luring him to his lair so we're going back this was my intention was it for it to be a continuation of the original story of the triggers not necessarily a continuation but a return to the underworld that the place my perception of the underworld and in particular going back to trucker jack's own lair so the the bridging part of the black gang story that that goes between road to, uh, road to nowhere and queen of scars is that discussion um between uh, Taylor Pike and Johan Doggett where he uh, Taylor decides that he's going to try and avenge Johan Doggett's loss and he will go back and he will retrieve his granddaughter somehow from where the trick jack had taken her all those years before and then his journey through the park now that was a challenge you know writing um, 
trying to, to picture where he would be going in the park and what he'd be seeing because I hadn't been there for 20 years. This was before I wrote this whole book before we actually got over there. Looking back on it, I, if I'd held it off a year, I probably could have made more realistic references than that, but I, I kind of had to wing it a little bit. So I, I wrote in taking this trip through the amusement park, making his way to the mouth of hell and then knowing that that is where he needs to go. And then he he go he enters through the actual mouth of the uh, the 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 feature the structure, and that is then where Queen of Scars takes over. Uh, it's st- it it starts off really set in uh, Taylor Pike awakens um, in this this like holding room. He doesn't know where he is. You know, it's this cavernous place. It was a it was a lot like what I described and what I pictured. Is like the the subterranean dwelling of the Council of Eternal Light in w- the World of More Apocalypse. You know, back when I wrote Acolyte, you know, earthen walls, um, obviously no windows and doors, anything, no visible way out, no visible way in. Um, he he meets the Tricker Jack, um, so Acolyte Pats and Thorn appears, taunting him like he normally does in his charming way, and basically readying him for the fact that you know he's got very little chance of getting out unless he is willing to play his game again a lot like Gareth Miles in the original Tricker Jack story I, I wanted to draw those parallels wanted to show that there was this link this is th- this is what the Tricker Jack does for fun and it's almost the same every time just he might just change the game he may change the rules he may change the set and it's, it's all just a game to him but in Queen of Scars I needed to, to put another element in there so I certain parts of it I did touch or, or hint that there may be a more human side to the Tricker Jack he may be starting to regret have some remorse for what he's doing um, as it's you know I'm not going to spoil the story too much but you know I, I I had to make a decision come the end you know do do I carry on with this and make him out to be a better person or do I let it transpire another way to show really how twisted this guy can be and you know I'll let you make up your own minds there but I think you probably know which way I took but I, I needed I needed this other element I needed there to be another character and I think you know through the, the history of man you know males have always had in my opinion one weakness and that is um, you know women so there's got to be a woman in the Tricker Jack's life. You know, what would she be like? Um, it's almost like I, I kind of pictured him going up to the, the, the mortal world as his day job. You know, he's, he's leaving his lair in hell, leaving his wife at home to go and do what he needs to do and uh, going back to her, you know, a few months later or whatever. You know, I, I kind of thought, what would she be like? And I guess physically... I didn't know. I kind of drew on. I can't even think who, what kind of characters I think, I, I, or what kind of what women came to my mind really. I, in, I made it out to be this, this quite obviously very seductive, sultry, you know, woman who wears very little. She basically embodies everything that would be considered sin or tempting to a man. Uh, made her this figure that even though. Um, Taylor Pike is is in hell um, 
obviously scared out of his mind, confused, obviously wanting to just get out, but even then being driven by his most carnal instincts when he sees her. You know, he's got to be one of those type of women. And um yeah, maybe I had my own wife in mind, I really don't know. But you know, I it was she had to have this this lore, even though she was there in this 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 horrible place you know wanting to do horrible things wanting him to do horrible things you know he still had these basic desires you know she was she was that's that sort of character um and i guess someone who could be as sadistic as the tricker jack was because they've got to be a match at the end of the day haven't they so the this uh, again i won't retell the story but as it goes he um the tricker jack gets Taylor to agree if begrudgingly or you know unwillingly to to gamble like he normally does in a card game and he he draws this card which uh, it's almost like a deck of tarot cards and he draws the the card which is the queen of scars as Taylor looked at the card the piercing screams that had plagued him from the moment he awoke suddenly cried out once more this time deafening him a line of blood trickled from inside his ears, tickling as it ran down and dropped from his earlobe. The image on the card was a woman, beautiful in the face, but surrounded by what could only be described as faceless demons as she brandished severed body parts in her hands. Around her body, she wore a cloak of human skin. My, my, Mr. Pike. I never doubted your abilities, I must say. You have chosen well. Ackerley leaned in closer as Taylor looked up painfully, straining to see through the tears that now flooded his eyes and stole away his vision. You are to meet the most beautiful of my possessions, the one I call the Queen of Scars. Taylor obviously doesn't know what it means, but eventually he does. Uh, he awakens again in another part of this, this underworld, this massive... I pictured it like a warehouse... Um, this massive little hangar sort of thing but if you imagine sort of again earth and walls and floor and ceiling and everything always like a you know a cave you know a, 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 this massive massive cave underground but with one exception is there was a few human items around as you'd find there's there's a mirror there's an hourglass there's knives around and things like that but there's also built into the walls there's cages um, where there are mainly children um you know deformed children um who are who are, are past victims subjects whatever you want to call it of the tricker jack and as she would be called alundra's plans their games the tricker jack almost as well as stealing souls for the devil to keep his quota up um or to give him more power more souls in his world than heaven which was is what Tricker Jack, the original story, really revolved around. Queen of Scars is really Alundra is the the main. Um, she's the main focal point of Tricker Jack's world, and it's almost like he was siphoning off people from the mortal world um, for her as well. He was he was doing a bit of dealing on the on the side, as it were, you know, getting subjects to bring home like pets to bring home for his his love it's uh and this is this is this shows 
well both both sides how sadistic tricky jack and, and alundra were but mainly it was focused on introducing this character of alundra as the, the female tricky jack almost but um in the end taylor pike uh, he's got to he's got to undertake a challenge like they do um in order to win not only his freedom but um johan doggett's granddaughter who he is told is down there and she she becomes part of the deal so um if taylor fails obviously he stays there and he becomes one of alundra's pets her subjects but the the methods of the, the the actual makeup of the game of this is it was really i wanted to go back to a story which could be quite quite gritty quite raw um there's certain parts of house of courtney that were compared to like clive barker which made me think of again how gritty raw his stories are you know the one that hellbound heart that became hellraiser you know it's and, and james herbert it's it's non-apologetic horror um i i wanted there to be another story like that that had that kind of feel that it was just sort of in your face um and it was it was nothing but you know a horror story so the the main challenge that taylor pike has to um perform was greatly inspired by things like the saw movie series i i really do i even though i think that series was a little bit convoluted come the end i think the the imagination that went into each of those you know the the different ways the different games that jigsaw gave to his victims was still brilliant in each of the films so i wanted that kind of thing you know if you're going to play a game it was it was it was gonna have to be you know there's something within taylor pike physically that he then has to retrieve um i think it might have been in saw 2 where there was a one where there was the there's the challenge where there was a key in one of them there was i think there's two or three of them awake but there's the key to it must have been actually the one where they, they that head device thing that goes off and you know if they fail it rips their jaw apart i can't think what it was actually called now but the key to that device was inside one of the other people within that room and uh, the woman who had to take the challenge she had to basically cut them open while they were still alive to find the key within them so yeah if you read the story of queen of scars you'd see that is very evident in there my it, the influence of that particular scene but also the the sadistic nature of the game i think you could probably find parallels between saw and the trick all the tricky jack stories purely for that fact for the idea that the tricker jack is just having fun he's not doing any dirty work himself a lot like jigsaw did or didn't um but the things he's getting these people to commit for their freedom is horrific um and it really pushes people's limits you know when they're desperate it's their, it's their fight for survival that's really what the message is there in the tricker jacks world they they have to justify why they should be allowed to live rather than you know him being able to give them over to his master you know in the, the devil she fell silent sniffed back the tears and her face once again returned to stone now the rules they are very simple 
In one of these cages is the girl which you seek. The one soul of mine that Ackerley has allowed to be bargained for. Taylor breathed a small sigh of relief, but then considered how difficult it would be to find one girl in a sea of screeching former humans. Each cell is numbered. The number for your required cell is engraved on its key. There is one key for each cage, buried deep within these caverns where only myself and Ackerley know. We have been kind enough to retrieve the key for the child's cell. Again, Taylor felt easier about the task. His heart beat faster only with apparent excitement. He had a chance after all, he thought. There is, however, one twist. You still have to find where the key is buried. But we have decided to at least give you a clue. Alandra positioned herself behind Taylor, grabbed his shoulders and spun him around. So, yeah, the, the, the challenge itself is, is pretty much that Taylor Pike has a key to the cell where Johan Doggett's granddaughter is being kept. The key to that cell is within him, so he's got to find out where it is, basically cut himself apart in certain ways. Um, I think there's like you know, there's a few different locations hinted at, and he's got to try and find which one is the correct one, find the key if he's still alive by that point after he's butchered himself a little bit but um, getting the key and then he's got to figure out what which cell it is so and he's not only that he's got a time limit on it obviously any game needs a time limit so you know yeah here comes the the old-fashioned sand timer which is there you know a bit of a nod to Wizard of Oz I suppose and it's only now that I've looked back I've been sort of going through a few bits of the the audiobook and, and the book itself and I I didn't realise how long that story was. It really did grow as I was as I was writing it. Um it was very simple in my mind, you know, I wanted it to be okay, he starts the story off, he's he's in Trickerjack's lair, he's in hell. Trickerjack gives him this um he plays him at this game, which then he he loses, he then got a, to do this forfeit, essentially, um, playing a Lundra's game to to try to get Johan Doggett's granddaughter and his own freedom back but it really as I was writing it it really did all the characters grew um, I never went back and did anything else with Alundra except for this one I think to me I, I'm quite happy with that I think this was her story um, the, the, the moniker I gave of Queen of Scars it it was a playoff against the it had to be linked to a card you know the trick of jacks identity or his, his calling card is literally a, a jack of spades playing card that's his if ever you if ever it was made into a film it would be the flash of one of those uh the the playing cards that would tell you that he's around um so she needed her own identity in that respect so the queen of scars and just this this idea that you know she lives for torturing people just like she was doing with taylor pike and countless others that she's got down there so yeah i i think writing this story for her was was probably perfect you know i i wouldn't i don't feel a need to have to bring her back into anything else i may do later on down the line but it was just a hint that there was another side to the trick jack there was you know behind every great man there's a great woman sort of thing um so yeah whether i i would need to actually sort of explore that any further i, I don't think i really need to to be fair but never say never um but that that's real that was the 
that was the main driving force behind that story it was it was just to add another element to the trigger jack story to give a a really gritty kind of finale to the book to taylor pike's journey from where he was at the beginning where he's he's heartbroken and then he's he's desperate really i think that's probably what you can say he's he's following you know who else would follow just a load of cryptic clues that puts him on a ferry and buses and goes to a place that he's not been before meeting people you know hunting people out he doesn't know and then yeah i i it's, it's desperation he wants to rescue something for himself and if he can do that by helping somebody else out like johan doggett then then you know he can, he'll do that um i think i achieved that i think i was quite happy with how it ended up and i, I kept when i transferred it over to a necessary end i i wanted to keep the final part so the final part that exists in the necessary end of queen of scars where the tricker jack um is told he goes back in the pub the white mouse in which actually exists by the way if you uh if you want to hand it out if you're down in, near black gang if you head over to chale there is actually the white mouse in that i um mentioned in black gang and was uh, um, the pub setting for the end of queen of scars um does actually exist andy and cheryl i think in, a few years ago they were the ones i, I let them know that I, I asked for their permission to um to include the pub in the book and they were um gracious enough to allow me to do that and i i went down and i met them and gave them a sort of a complimentary copy of the book when I visited down there but I never got to go in there unfortunately I was meant to go back and take the kids in for a meal and stuff I never got to do it but Andy and Cheryl if you're still there you know yeah um, thank you again for, for letting me you know mention your establishment and uh, I think hopefully gave a bit like the guys at Black Gang China that allowed me to reference the, the park itself it just helped me keep it relevant and real you know that, that that realistic setting that I was after, but um, but yeah. Anyway, when the the, the final scene where the Trucker Jack returns to the White Mouse, see and to to meet Papa Loco, and it is then that he, the ending, to. Um, to Black Gang. The the book, came completely out of the blue. I didn't really know how to end it, but I ended it on, um, him saying he's leaving the pub and Papa Loco says something like where is it that you're going Ackerley stopped thinking to himself thinking of the place for which he was bound he pictured the face of the one he now sought the one person who would end all of this horror and allow him to live the life that he had promised to himself and the only two people who mattered to him Doggett and Alundra together the three of them would finally live in a world of peace, where life and death did not exist, for both would be the same. The ability to escape death was now a secret known to him. At that very moment, those who had been captured, tortured, stored by his good woman, Taylor Pike included, were being transformed, becoming beings that were more powerful than any that existed in the world. They were becoming something that he knew would help him in his quest. An army with only the urge to kill. It would not be a mindless slaughter. Oh no. They would kill with a purpose. To end the lives of those who were not worthy to live in the Trickerjack's world. 
The power that he had acquired since being granted his limit-free existence would not be wasted. The inhabitants of the current world would have a choice. Join him or die. Slowly. Terribly. It would all start with one place. The epicenter of the apocalypse that was to come. All he had to do was stop those who were threatening to end it before it had begun. Those who were abusing the power that his predecessor, and Ackerley himself since, had bestowed upon them. Ackerley smiled, the sun that was now breaking through the rain clouds glowing against his skin as if the thoughts of his new world order were warming his very core. Wildemar, he answered without turning to face Doggett. The old man pondered for a moment, confused. I've never heard of it, sir. Doggett could hear a light chuckle, and watched as Ackerley Patterson Thorne's shoulders juddered slightly with a laughter. And you never will. And I thought I was in between. Um, so I was writing this book, but I, I knew that after I finished writing Black Gang, I then was going to start work on the final part of the Wildermore Apocalypse trilogy, which was a Gods and Insects. And this, that one, right in that one line, and that I was like, right, I've done it. You know, that is the ending I need for this book. And it gave me the the reason to carry on the trick of that and bring the, those two sides of my universe, as it were, so the Courtney side and the trick side, together with Wildemore. And it's what made writing of Gods and Insects so much fun, is because I, in some way, I married together the two sides um, of that. I think I talk about it a little bit more. If you go back to one of the previous episodes when I actually dissect of Gods and Insects, I think I do talk about um, when I introduced the Tricker Jack in there. And it, was, it wasn't something that I was intending to do, but it was literally the writing of that line which finished that book perfectly. It left it on that little cliffhanger. Um, in a sense, a cliffhanger, I told my story in Black Gang. I was happy with, with Taylor Pike's journey and how it ended. Um, but I... I wanted it to be that there was more to tell, not necessarily in this setting, but there was more. There was another reason for you to want to follow the Tricker Jack onto whatever he's doing next. And my intention then was that you would pick up a copy of The Gods and Insects and find out. And um, yeah, so that that was really it for Queen of Scars. Um, so in summary, really, I just wanted that really raw horror story, impactful horror story to finish black gang to finish taylor pike's journey it was very much influenced there or a big part of it was influenced by the saw movies um in particular that one scene which i, I think i swear it was saw two might have even been referenced in the second one in the first one i really can't remember um but it's one of those typical you know those great ways that influences come from all sides so you know black gang continued to inspire me you know, to give me the link as to why Taylor Pike was there and how he then got how he he travelled from the land of the living down to the underworld to Tricker Jack's world, and literally one part of the park itself. You know, what more basic way can you make that link? But I was I was really happy with that, and 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 yeah, I I, I think Queen of Scars is probably one of my it's not one of the stories that people tend to talk about much i know when dave jackson was recording the audiobook he had some great things to say about 
this story because it gave him a challenge when he came to do the voice of Alundra um, and he actually his his interpretation of her in the audiobook wasn't quite what I had in mind when I wrote it but it suited her perfectly and that's one of those other ways that I love why I love doing the audiobook is because he he put a new spin on characters and, and situations that I hadn't thought of when I was writing it and I thought if he's making me think that you know just imagine how he's making it how more fresh and um, that he's making it to the, the people who are listening to it you know so hopefully you could read the book and listen to the audiobook and probably still get two slightly different perceptions in, in some parts of the book which yeah, yeah hats off to him you know I absolutely loved working with Dave um, so when I that was that was sort of that was the end of the black gang side. How did I come? How did I then take? I've discussed all the the individual elements of um, of the, the stories, the individual stories that existed within House of Courtney and Black Gang. Um, how was I then going to put them all together? My main aim to begin with was to just have just put them together in a simple you know um you know double box set if i just literally put house of courtney as it was side by side with black gang as it was under one cover i was going to call it curse of courtney it was just going to be like the complete works of the, you know my courtney universe um i was just going to leave them as they were so that they told two completely different stories like they did they were just put together under one roof but there was one more part of black gang that didn't let me go or that wouldn't leave me which then led to the the, the genesis of a necessary end how i was going to put these two books together and i i'd started writing a separate story um based on one of my favorite features at black gang chime and arguably if they would probably argue that they love it now but my, my kids hated it the few times that we went over there um, there's one part, it's basically everywhere everything part's got to have a haunted house sort of thing, you know Alton Towers have got it the the, the ride uh, the ride through sort of ghost train kind of thing with Jewel um, Black Gang Chine has Rumpus Mansion which is a walk through it's, it's an actual house building um it's been done up it's, it's a walkthrough kind of experience and it's a little bit like a ghost train museum kind of thing you know you have these um, a lot like you do with some of the other installations through Black Gang Chine you've got these scenes set up behind glass you know um, and in Rumpus Mansion you've got animated figures that are like ghouls goblins um you know fairies and the bad fairies and, and witches and things like that it's it's fairly horrific if you're of a certain age um but i i wanted to write a story which was my own take on the kind of the rumpus mansion sort of setting and it was to be this house that um wasn't overrun by goblins and ghouls and that Rumpus Mansion's story is really that one night all of these creatures took over the house and they just started causing havoc 
Um, I wanted them to exist there for a reason. So I started off again without any real direction as to what I was going to do with it. I started off with this this scene which opens up a necessary end where you've got this like goblin sort of character. Think of um, Hoggle I think his name was from Labyrinth, from Jim Henson's Labyrinth. He's that kind of figure. As you go into Rumpus Mansion in Black Gangshine, the first figure you're um, greeted by is like this this goblin butler sort of character. I think he's called Red Cap. And I I lifted that. I I, I took that image and created um, my own character. I came up with this character called Grimwald. Um, physically, yeah, pretty much inspired by this character, Red Cap. Um, he he's like the butler of the house. Um, you get the image in the the opening scene that they, or he is fairly he's a he's a miserable character. He likes obviously he likes dirt. He likes dark he likes dust. You know he likes the grime. Hence part of the name, grime, grim. Um, and I wanted to introduce. It was a gamble with this into I really went the the real kind of supernatural way almost into fantasy kind of you know horror fantasy realm which even though quite a, a lot of the stories I, I wrote for the material I wrote for for Black Gang House of Courtney was really out there um I think it still was rooted in reality quite a bit um but this was really wandering into another territory for me and I've had to, I'm, I'm grateful for the honest feedback that a few people have, have given me they start off reading a necessary end and then really not sure about it they're not sure where it's going because I think it it dives into gives you a feel that it is a book that it isn't straight off you think it's going to be this all out sort of fantasy horror like I say um, not your typical horror but then obviously as it goes down I've, I've had one person actually reference um, specifically when Passenger 29 starts in the necessary end that's when it really becomes feels like a proper horror novel um, so it was a gamble going into this I didn't intend when I started writing I, I, I'd given it a working title of Rumpus it was going to be a standalone story that I was going to do something with I think I was I was trying to write a third story a third book like House of Courtney and Black Gang because obviously you know who doesn't love a trilogy um, and it was going to be centred around this or it's going to be the first story in that book but as I wrote it I, I I thought of a way then it just sort of clicked like it does here and there just a way that I could use this as the new backdrop and I could slot in the individual stories from House of Courtney and Black Gang into this new setting and so if you, if you lift the backstory away from the other individual stories the interlude stories in a necessary end the, the idea is that there's this house um, at the top of a hill in this town again, typical um, it's like a focal point people know it's there but they know it's got a very dark history to it which very few people talk about um the main protagonist character, the new one, is is now a teenager called Zach Charlie, 
who has moved within a few weeks of this happening over to the UK from America um, and he doesn't want to be there he's very bitter about having to move he's unsettled um, the character there is again an influence from a certain film in the the generation of this character if uh, anyone out there who knows Hocus Pocus and we you know only a week or so removed from Halloween so I'm sure people have familiarised themselves with this um, film lately but um, the uh, the character of Max Dennison in that um, yeah he pretty much he was the what I had in my mind when I was writing the part for Jack Charlie he as it turns out he's he's again this family has had their own tragedy before them um, Zach's younger sister back in the States was killed in a, a hit and run on Halloween so this story this backstory happens on Halloween or Halloween night again a lot like the film Hocus Pocus does and Zach Charlie is a he, he's very in, the only thing that really settles him the, the only thing he has any interest or any time for is, is art he's um, he, he likes to do like charcoal um, sketchings and stuff that was a real point for me that was at a time that I was trying to rediscover my my love for charcoal sketching something that I did and used to really enjoy back at school something I hadn't done for years and around this time I was I was trying to get back into it so I had to write that back in not knowing where this would go um, it would play another role in what would be the actual the final story in A Necessary End um, but he uh, one night the, this this Halloween night he decides after school that he's going to um, he he's trying to learn one of his teachers tells him a, a little bit more about the Courtney house this big house on the top of the hill and that it's got some sort of tortured past to it but he doesn't really give many details it piques Zach's interest enough that he then wants to go and find this house and visit it himself you know he's, he's, he's one of those sort of morbid fascination sort of things um, so he goes up there he finds his way in the house and he finds his way upstairs trespasses quite royally and he finds the master of the house which is a um, a guy a, an older man who is pretty invalid basically he's, he's living um, in a wheelchair in like the, the master quarters you know up, upstairs a guy called Ephraim Courtney he's one of the last as it turns out he's one of the last descendants of the the cursed Courtney family line which obviously we know started back with Jonathan Courtney and the Tricker Jack and this was really my vessel for then retelling these stories that came from the other two books because I then make it so that Zach Charlie spends some time with F. Courtney while he tells him about his family's tortured past. And all these stories exist in the book as if they're being told to Zach Charlie by Ephraim Courtney. There we go. That that's that. As soon as I had that idea um, and I thought it would work, I, I then just started putting it all together and I had to decide then what order the stories were going in because it didn't necessarily have to go in the 
the order that they were within House of Courtney and Black Gang and I did change them around so that I had the best kind of chronology of the Tricker Jack's tale because this is essentially what it is a necessary end if you break it down is the Tricker Jack's whole uh, origin story told through Ephraim Courtney I did yeah really and then it's it's up to Zach Charlie at the end whether he believes him or not um, which then really comes to I won't I, I'll, I'll comment on it now the final final story of the Ephraim Courtney Zach Charlie um, exchange is one called the Bone Idol and it was probably my only successful attempt at a real short story because um, it isn't very long at all it is really just like an interlude chapter but it's the one that finishes the whole story off because it is Zach Charlie's very own interlude story and it is the ending of his part in this book and that is where the link to the, the charcoal drawing came from again I don't want to give too much away I want people to read or listen to it but I knew that after telling all these individual stories I needed F. Courtney to have his own one and I needed something that tied all these frayed ends together so, so you had F. Courtney kind of telling spilling his soul as he's telling these stories you've got Zach Charlie and you've you've got the Tricker Jack I needed a way of, of tying all of those ends together so that at the end of this book it all seemed relevant it all had a purpose and quite possibly there was a way that I could carry it on which I haven't I haven't done at the minute but there's the option there of of how I was you know going to carry on the Tricker Jack um, story because he he has a part in a very he has another part in this book he does he he returns at the end of the book I will that's probably the only real spoiler that I'll give um, it's the way in which it happens that is told in the Bone Idol which again I was I was quite quite proud of it's one of those I guess Clive Barker-esque uh, moments it's, it's it's that gritty that raw you know body horror I suppose kind of story um and that that's yeah so that's that that brought us to the end of that there is one more one more episode that I will release alongside this one most probably that um that gives a little background on the the actual final story in the book because there is one but there's one story that I had already written that I put on the end of a necessary end it's a bit of a bonus kind of you know a, a, it's more like an epilogue sort of story um but I'll I'll reserve that for another episode to me the actual main part of a necessary end finishes when at the the end when with the bone idol so once you get that that transition as you go from queen of scars then back to zach charlie and f courtney where zach charlie really decides whether he believes any of this or not and then the very end when you get to the bone idol there wasn't really any other basis for the me writing the bone idol other than I wanted one last you know one one last story that really hit people in the face um, and they, they brought it back to this is a horror book you know this is these are all the things that have influenced me 
this is where I want this story to end. This is the reason why I've decided to weave two books into one because you know some people question why why I'd want to do it. I had two books on the market; they existed on their own. Why you know why did I have to do it? It's like people question why they've got to come up with you know movie sequels or reboots. It feels like a good idea at the time, you know, to breathe some life, some new life into something. Um, I knew that my you know my sales or my or the uh, um, the attention wasn't going to House of Courtney and Black Gang as they existed wasn't going to garner any more attention than it already had so this was my chance that okay if I'm going to try to rescue and try to repackage these I'm going to do it all in one go um, in one book to have the Tricker Jack as the focal character in he can have then his one book um, everything can be in there you know, yeah, there may be more to come, but this was really I, I'm very, very fond of origin stories and this was my attempt at packaging it all together in one so that it could all you know, anyone can pick it up and they they can delve into um the tricker jack universe in one go. So there we go. So I I I hope you've enjoyed the episodes where I've been sort of rabbiting on about a necessary end. Like I say, there is one more element to come. It won't be a very in-depth episode because the final story that is in the in the cover, you know, between the covers of a necessary end, um, wasn't written with any kind of link to it. I've I've managed to shoehorn it in because it's one of those stories that existed out in another publication that I wanted to put out you know under my own right as well and if I was going to have one book that had all my attempts at short stories in you know any kind of like this anthology I'm probably only, only going to do it once I, I wanted it to include everything really or try to include everything that I'd done you know again so it can be just like a one-stop shop for this element of my writing journey so so I'll um yeah I'll, I'll dedicate another short episode to that but um yeah, I, I really hope you've enjoyed learning more about all the many, many influences that came within these stories. Many more so than I had on the World of War Apocalypse. Um, a Necessary End is probably my... It's one of the more complex, but I would say one of my more complete works. If if you want a, a, a snapshot, a cross-section of my horror work, pick up a copy of A Necessary End. Um, and that's not just a sales pitch that's sort of from me to you that's that's sort of my my take on this book um, personally so you know, yeah the book is still out there um, I've made a decision recently to stop production of any further paperbacks it really wasn't happening um, so you can still get there's a limited number of paperbacks still available on Amazon but that will be it once they go that will be it um, it will just be an ebook form. So please continue. You know, if you if you've listened to the episodes and you're intrigued and you want to know more, yeah, grab a copy. You know, as ever, contact me. Any feedback, any thoughts, any questions, anything at all to do with particularly a necessary end or any of the stories that I've discussed in detail on this episode, greatly appreciated. Um, but yeah, tune in again for the the next episode and and which will then round out. Um, everything that's contained in this book and uh, and then see where this podcast goes from there 
So thank you again for joining me, and I will speak to you again next time. At this moment, Grimwald appeared with a silver tray, upon it a line of brand new lumps of rugged charcoal pencils. F looked down at them lovingly. They look like a decent set, these, the now well-dressed man observed. The boy was obviously of a good mold. F took one of the pencils and placed it under his nose, inhaling deeply. They still smelt of freshly charred and were still warm to the touch. Thank you, he whispered. Grimwald put the tray down, bowed to both men, and left. The sound samples used in this episode are from the audiobook version of A Necessary End, narrated by Dave Jackson, and is available for download on Audible and Amazon. If you like what you hear, and if you've enjoyed this episode, please do check out the audiobook, as well as the ebook and paperback copies of A Necessary End, also available through Amazon and all good bookstores online.